Exodus we're working through. If you're new here to the Groves, we just work through a book of the Bible. We've been going through the book of Exodus, and um, uh, it's not gonna. I know this is all the whole time. Right. Okay. Do I just hold it like this? When I just hold the mic, then I'm holding a stand <laughs> and the microphone, which seems counterproductive. If you put it in front of you, then I'm not a solutions kind of person. Okay. Do you want me to do that? What, what do you mean? Put it in front. Allow me. You just talk. Okay. Just talk. And okay. You guys never well. Mind me. Never mind. So, um, I before we so yes, we go through the book of the Bible. We've been going through the book of Exodus. Um, we've taken a little bit of a pause because our good friend Ken Lloyd has been doing a series with us called "May I Be You." <laughs> and <laughs> seamless. Yeah, I'm gonna get excited and hit my teeth. I know it. Okay. So um, Ken, our friend Ken Lloyd has been with us, and he's been doing a series called May I Be You, um, which is really helping us um, cross difference, right? To not think of us versus them, but all of us together. And, um, and then his particular work is with unhoused um, individuals, unhoused neighbors, friends in Portland. He has pastored um, a couple and started a couple of um, churches with unhoused individuals, really empowering them um, to take ownership of their, of their faith expression. So anyway, he's been with us. He'll be back with us for the next two weeks after this. Um, but this week it's Paul and I, we're jumping back in Exodus. And so it's just, that's kind of the journey we're on if you're new with us. Um, we were just singing, um, where you go, I go, what you say, I say, right? And um, what you pray, I'll pray. And as I was standing up here, um, I, and, and probably because I saw Jason, and so I was remembering this moment that we had a few years ago in this upper room in this old industrial space where a bunch of leaders got together, and we were singing songs, and we were praying about justice and about like, God, God's rightness in the world. And as I was standing here, um, I just started singing and praying, God, will you teach us how to pray? Will you teach us? Show us how to pray. What are the things that are on? I started singing, God, what's on your heart? What do you want your people to be asking for, for praying for today? And, um, you know, I'm sure there are, there, are, there are individual things, and I just want to take a moment before we go in into the text and just want to pray for the needs that are represented in our community. I want us to pray for healing and restoration and renewal in our neighborhood. I want us to be praying for John Mayer and um, John and Pat Schweibert and Beacon PDX, who were the unhoused work that was happening in the basement that came to a close last Sunday. I want us to be praying for that uh, community of people as they are trying to figure out where they go and how they can minister best um, to the people that they love so much. And um, the things that were, so I want to pray about those things, but the things that came to my heart just right over here, um, I was thinking about this week, things that I think are on God's heart, and this is more collective for all of us, for the body to be praying. I, I was thinking this week about climate change. I was thinking this week about immigration. I was thinking this week about un unhoused friends and neighbors. And um, those things are on God's heart. And I, am, I want us to invite God to share with us what is on his heart so that we can pray together and, um, and pray what God said, you know, pray what Jesus prayed, um, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so I want to pray those things. So I'm just going to open us up and, and pray real quick, and then we're going to jump into Exodus, if that's good. Yeah? We're in agreement? All right. Jesus, we just thank you so much for, um, oh, you're so good. Your heart is so kind. You are so good, and as we come near to you and as we come close to you, we, we, uh, we have a greater sense of, of how good and how generous and how kind you are. 
And um, I pray, God, that you would um, awaken our hearts, our spirits, our minds, make us alive to you. And I pray that you would um, teach us and show us how to pray, how to pray for rightness in our world, how to be advocates in prayer, to be intercessors, to be active and aware of the things that are on your heart and how you would want us to pray and live in our neighborhood, in our place. And so we pray this morning for... Uh, we collectively pray, God, for the needs that are represented in this room right now. God, I pray that there would be an expression and an experience of your nearness, of your closeness, of your concern and your love, and that you would meet needs, you would lift burdens, you would redeem and you would revive and restore today. God, we pray for um, rifts and brokenness that are in our neighborhood, God, walls, divisions um, uh, that, have, uh, that have been built up, God, and we just pray that um, your uh, peacemaking would be done in this space, God. Um, we pray that you would help us to be part of um, bridges, uh, be a part of, um, of coming together, of good and flourishing for this neighborhood. God, I pray that you would also be with um, uh, John Mayer and his family and with Pat and, and her husband John and all of those who have volunteered and been a part and received services um, with, with uh, this facility, with Metanoia. And we just ask that you would give grace, that you would give provision, that you would continue to, um, to um, share your love through their lives, God. And um, uh, just, we just pray that you would help them during this transition and during this time. And um, God, we pray for these other things um, that are happening globally, conversations that are happening around us, climate change and immigration and, and homelessness and economic disparity and all those things, God, that, are, that can seem so epic and so heavy. God, um, I just pray that you would, you would help us learn and teach us how to pray about these things according to your word and your truth and, and your will and um, give us opportunities to act here and now in our spaces with our neighbors, with our friends um, that, that move towards that healing and the restoration that you are bringing into this world through us. We love you for your kingdom and for your name. Amen. 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 Yeah, so I, I kind of told you guys this a few weeks ago, actually a few weeks before we moved into this space, that um, the, hard, the hard truth was that the, the UMC, the United Methodist Church, um, decided that they wanted this space to go a different direction. And um, they invited, well, they actually heard about uh, the vision that Sonia had for church and for space, if we had that. And, and they reached out to her and asked her and invited her to go through a process to be appointed here. And, um, and then in that same process, they asked the group that Sonia was referring to to leave. This is just for anybody who hasn't been uh, journeying with us and you're not sure what she's referring to. Um, they, they asked them to move out. And last Sunday was their last Sunday. And um, as you can imagine, that uh, in some form or another, uh, they had been gathering uh, down there for over 30 years. There had been some sort of feeding or uh, serving that had been going on for a long time. And um, just the hard, blunt truth was the UMC decided it was a time for a change. And it was a time for a rest uh, from those kind of services for the neighborhood in this space. doesn't mean that those services are going to go away uh, entirely. And um, I wanted to address this a little bit this morning because there was an article in Street Roots that uh, was going around last night and uh, probably will be, continue to go around. 
and um, and it's it's pretty negative uh, and about even our role in this thing. And um, I'm not going to delve into a bunch of the details. If you really want to know details, you can absolutely come and talk mm -hmm. to us. We're not going to take this time where we're kind of getting into the word to do that. You can absolutely come and uh, and talk to us if you want to know more of what's going on. Um, but I would encourage you as what what we're trying to do as leaders is to respond with grace and to not allow the um, the way that the internet can do things. It just it's uh, Thunderdome, right? It just puts us in uh, you know this constant conflict and fight, and that's not what we want. Um, that's not even what we intended when we first started talks about being here. Um, and you can learn more about that. We'd be more than happy to sit down over coffee with you and talk to you about it. Um, but I just, you know, I wanted to address that. It's understandable. Um, it's totally understandable. It's hard. The disappointment yes. and the lashing out that's going on. And so we get that. We get that this level of change is really hard. And um, it actually flows right in line with what we're going to talk about today, with the text that we're digging into, right? That sense of um, almost feeling like you were promised something and that, that you, were, you were told something was going to happen in a space. And then um, that got taken from you. And uh, we, as a church leadership, we're very familiar with that. We, we had that um, happen to us multiple times as we moved into um, even the very beginning uh, stages of uh, planting this mm -hmm. church. Yeah. Yeah? Yes. Well, there's an S by the next part. Oh, that was, oh, that was me. <laughs> that was me. Yes, Paul. Um, as a matter of Seamless. fact. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes. And yeah, I mean, we all experience, the reality is that we all experience a level of discouragement or disappointment in life about given the expectations we have, right? I've not met one person who has not been um, disappointed or discouraged because of relationship or because of finances, right? Those two epic things in our lives are always kind of keeping us in this tension of like unfulfillment or something that we thought was promised that didn't come to pass, right? And I mean, and, and like Paul said, um, in church planning, I mean, I remember... Um, and it's just crap that you just end up having to work through. Because I remember, you know, with church planning, we had to go raise our money, right? So we go talk, at, speak at churches and tell them convincingly about all the great things we're going to do. And then we're asking people to invest and give dollars to us. And there was a church that was like, oh, man, we are going to give you so much money. And we're going to give you people. And we're going to give you resources and then more money. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. Like, then the oh, recession. someone believes yeah. in us. And then the recession. <laughs> And then they're like, actually, we can't do anything, right? And those kinds of experiences, I mean, that wasn't just one. That was, I remember when Christmas, we were getting letters. Like, Christmas cards? Who does this, right? <laughs> like, a Christmas card with, like, a check, and it was like, this is the last one. Merry Christmas. Like, what is that, right? So, anyway, you have to... Um, um, there's a lot of work, right, that has to be, you know, it's like, you got to work through that... Bitterness. And clearly you've Anger. worked completely through yeah. it. Wait, is this, not, is, that, is this not what this is for? Is that not what this time is for? For my, ver my, my uh, pro verbal processing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, you have, to, you have to process and work through that anger, right? And not allow yeah. the bitterness. You, and, it's, and it is, like, the stuff comes to the surface, and you just, you know, I like, sometimes we want to, like, sh 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 keep that, you know? But really, allow to the surface and just, like, okay, getting rid of that. Yeah. Oh, that's still there, you know, obviously. Yeah. You know, and you got to keep working through it. Yeah. yeah, well, that anger is natural to follow that kind of disappointment, right? And what we do 
with that anger, I think, is key. Right? Just, and that's why this is such a journey, such a process, right? Because, um, of course, what we need to do right, is acknowledge um, that that anger is there. Uh, and maybe even, I guess, deeper is acknowledge that we're angry because we were hurt. Mm-hmm. Right? There's, there's a pain that's been caused. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, you know, then we can, exceed, we can kind of seek acceptance. We can seek uh, forgiveness even. Mm-hmm. And, and, and move towards that place. And sometimes that takes years, depending on how deep the trauma or the difficulty is. And anytime we talk about this, we always make a, a caveat that um, forgiveness doesn't mean that you let the person who's traumatized you back in the same place in your life mm-hmm. or trust mm-hmm. you or trust them in that way again. That's not the same thing. You can forgive and let go and let go of the, the pain mm-hmm. and um, leave that person to God. And they're, they're accountable to God for what it is that they've done. But you've let it go. You've, you've done that process of moving on. But um, it's, I always feel just compelled to make sure we point that out because I don't want um, people to get caught in a trap of like, oh, well, forgiveness means I have to just let that person continue to traumatize me and continue to be in my life or stay in this situation. And that's, that's not what I think at all. I think that it, it is a way you can let go, but you can still keep boundaries up that keep you mm-hmm. safe, right? Um, but that's the healthy stuff, right? What we often do is the unhealthy. I, I've got options that I would rather choose. Uh, you know, yeah. Lashing out is a good one, right? That's, that's a, a, the more immature, the more <laughs> reptilian brain sort of thing. Uh, is, that's the immediate, right? You want to lash out. You want, you want to hurt the one who's hurt you. That is such a natural And response. it comes out sideways sometimes. It's oh, not like man. you expect it. You aren't yeah. consciously going around, you know what, I'm just waiting for someone to take me out. Like it just something happens and then you like yeah, react and right? like, whoa, that was ugly. Didn't yeah. know that was there. Yeah. 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 Well, and you, you alluded to this other idea I was kind of wrestling with is the idea of stuffing it down. Mm-hmm. And if anybody knows anything about Enneagrams and all of that kind of study about personalities, uh, and I, as I've said before, I'm an Enneagram one and we are masterful at repressing our uh, emotions, <laughs> anger included. Just Gold stars for push you for repressing. Because yeah. we know it's not right to lash out. We oh. know it's not right to, to um, misbehave in that way, right? Mm. So we just like, no, it's not there. Just <laughs> gonna deal with it. And it just comes out in dreams where you're weeping and you don't realize Yeah, 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 it, yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. Uh, <laughs> that's a true or story. Or punching things yeah, and you don't realize. I've never, I don't know, maybe I've done that. Didn't I, you punch something in college? I did. You did. That, yes, in your sleep. That's true. Yeah, yeah I cut I cut my <laughs> hand. I was on the yeah. on the bottom bunk of the bunk bed yeah. and I struck out so hard I, I gashed my hand on the yeah. spring. We yeah. can talk about this later too. Right, yeah. yeah. This okay. stuff. <laughs> We need to work through, right? Yeah, it's all right. That's <laughs> I've all never right. hit you in my sleep, though. No, I mean, yeah. to be clear. Or yeah. in my <laughs> consciousness. Or, yeah, either. no, never. Just to be clear. Just, there's no hitting involved yeah. in this. None of that. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the problem here is that we, um, we just carry that hurt with us indefinitely, uh, when we, especially when we just try to repress it and we just mm-hmm. put it down. And um, I was thinking about that. Uh, is like an emotional inner injury, right? Or uh, I mean, that's how we refer to it. It's like a trauma. It's a, like a physical trauma, and it it works so much. Like um, like your your body, your structural issues with your body. If you've ever had a hurt ankle or or one one little joint in your system 
gets hurt. And especially if you just keep walking and you just keep working on uh, that without doing therapy or without figuring that out, it just kind of works its way through the whole body. Mm-hmm. Before, and you can have uh, something out of line in, in your knee or your, or your ankle, and before long, your neck is hurting, right? It can work its way all mm-hmm. the way up, up your body. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that is... Um, that happens with us in our an emotional self. You, if you just kind of hold on to that or you stuff that anger down, stuff that hard, uh, that, that, that um, hurt down um, and hang on to that disappointment, before long, it kind of starts to come out in cynicism, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. And it's difficult to trust or to hope again, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's just part of being human. And this is, I'm saying that maybe just for myself and the other ones in the room, right? Because I am like, oh, it's just so bad. It's, you know, I just, and I'll end up just feeling bad about that and feeling guilty about the way that works out. And, and so every once in a while with these struggles that we have, I remind you all so I can remind myself, that's part of being human. That's, you know, we've got to extend some grace to ourselves. And I do see that. I see that in my life. I see this experience, though, also all over the Bible, Mm-hmm. This, this kind of thing happens uh, everywhere where there's an experience of, of uh, what they feel is promise, an uh, experience of, of mm-hmm. hope being cast, a vision being cast, and then uh, an experience of disappointment, mm-hmm. and then uh, fear and, and a lack of trust and a lack of hope and a lack of faith starts to mm-hmm. be the, the enemy that, that that character has to deal with, right? Mm-hmm. And the story usually goes, God is at work, but that work isn't getting done fast enough or easy enough for humans. Classic. Yeah. Classic. That's yeah. kind of my summation of the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> in some. In my life. <laughs> in, in some, yes. So we're continuing this journey through Exodus. We are in Exodus chapter 5, verse 22 is where we're going to start. If you want to look up on your devices or if you have paper, you can do that too. Paper forms <laughs> of the text. Um, yeah, Morgan. Like in, in general, like in the universe? <laughs> yeah, if by right behind you is one. Yeah. <laughs> Old school. Right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, probably somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. In a bin, in a storage unit far, far away. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so Moses has gone to Pharaoh. So um, God asked Moses to go to Pharaoh. Moses and Aaron, they go to Pharaoh just as they were instructed. They do all the things they were told to do. But instead of things getting better, things are actually getting worse. And that's where we left off last time. So Pharaoh's like, oh, you've got time to go out into the wilderness and serve this God? Well, I guess you have time then to go and get the hay to make the bricks. And he made everything harder, right, on the Israelites. And so um, um, the labor is becoming intense. Pharaoh and the Egyptian powers um, are hardening in their hearts and their own resolve. The pressure on the Hebrews is making the Hebrew people resent their deliverer, right? Moses is like, I'm here to rescue you and they're like "Mm," you know because it's not happening so they are resenting Moses and Aaron they um, and there's disbelief and doubt about this God that they've heard of too so there's doubt in the messenger right doubt in and who they're representing doubt all around so here we go chapter 5 verse 22 so Moses returned to the Lord and said Lord why have you caused trouble for this people why did you even send me From the time I went to speak to Pharaoh in your name, he has caused trouble for this people, and you have certainly not 
rescued them. Okay, I love this. If there is a verse in the Bible that I can relate to right now, it's complaints to God about what he's asked you to do, right? You told me to go do this thing. Here I am. Nothing has happened. In fact, it's getting worse. And I I actually, when I read that, I remember this moment. We had... um, left our we were music directors at a church and and um and they all loved us didn't they i think so they loved us they loved us a lot of free meals we were on Mm -hmm. the you know music pastor ladder to awesomeness yeah Yeah, for sure (laughs) anyway so we're on this path we 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 get we fall in love with campus ministry fall in love with university ministry and we're like okay god we're going to give up this stuff that you know we're doing over here because we love students we want to be on the university we love where culture and thought and ideas are colliding we want to be there so we we we're, we're going to be us missionaries we're going to go through this route we do this internship for 9 months in Duluth Minnesota which is cold by the way and and we do this internship, and um, we start knocking on doors, like, where are we going to? We're so excited. Oh, we did our internship. We went through the psychological tests. We are, like, good to go. We're going to do this. Who wants us, right? <laughs> and no one. The answer was no one, right? Well, like, specifically we're, Northern we're, California. Specifically Northern California. San Francisco. San Francisco yeah. <laughs> did not want us at all. Like, we're writing yeah. letters, emails. <laughs> was it letters back then in that day? Um, <laughs> yeah. But sending emails, doing phone calls. Let's say scrolls. Nothing scrolls. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing pigeons. Yeah. Okay, nothing. There were no, no responses. And I remember um, we, we were living. I'm pregnant with Rennick. We're living in the basement yeah. where you lived as a right. 10 year, yeah, 11 my, year old, 12 year old. In my old bedroom. Yeah, we're in your old bedroom. Yeah. You know, yeah, child number two, we're That's in our 30s. You know, can you, are you getting in laws? Do you get what I'm saying? Like, this is the stage <laughs> in life. Like, anyway, I remember going to the side of the house. I can go there, like, in my emotions and my thoughts right now. I went to the side of the house and I was talking to my dad on the phone. And I just started crying. And I was like, God abandoned me in St. Charles, Missouri. You know, like, like it was like the worst possible thing in the world. But it was like, like San Francisco, right? That's where we're going to like love Jesus and love students. And I'm like pregnant, living in the basement of my in-laws house in St. Charles, Missouri. It and nice it was, so, I mean, it I was, finished it. It yeah, was, you did. Yeah. The bathroom was lovely. Was, there was, was air conditioning. Yeah. yeah. But there, there are moments when you are following what God has asked you to do, yeah. and it doesn't mm-hmm. quite turn out the way that you imagined or what you were sure you heard God's promise was going to be, mm-hmm. right? And it's perfectly good to um, complain. Okay. Yeah, if we're going to follow yeah. Moses. Moses. Example, yeah. yeah. Um, chapter 6, verse 1. Yeah. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. For compelled by my strong hand, he will release them. And by my strong hand, he will drive them out of, this, of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord Yahweh, uh, I was not known to them. Okay, I want to take a little bit of a, a moment here to pause at this last, uh, at this last verse. So, um, I am the Lord, I am Yahweh. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, so forefathers, right, as God Almighty, the word there, El Shaddai. El Shaddai, right? <laughs> El Shaddai, everyone. El Shaddai. Yeah, yeah. If you don't know that, you are too young. Okay. <laughs> I can't even talk to you right now. If you do not know Amy Grant, that's done. Okay. 
are known as God Almighty, El Shaddai, but my name, the Lord, Yahweh, was not known to them. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, Yahweh, God's name, was revealed. So this is a little puzzle, and we're going to return to it, but I just want to point out the puzzle. God's name, Yahweh, was revealed to the patriarchs. They had been introduced to God by his name, Yahweh, right? And they had assigned him the title El Shaddai, right, in reference to him. Something about God's character as he was revealing himself to them, Gave, they, God revealed the title El Shaddai, all right? Now, the, the, um, as I was studying this, um, there isn't absolute consensus because we can't actually absolutely know for certain what exactly that title was revealing about God. So I will say this first thing about that. I always like it when we don't know because I grew up in a context where I had to know or I thought that I should know all the things. And it's really good to just go, oh, I don't know for certain what character thing of God was revealed to the patriarchs, right? I don't, I don't, but there was something about God that he was revealing. And so what we do know is that God is a revealing God and he revealed himself to his people through these titles and through names for himself. Okay. I thought this was interesting. This is just for fun, but suggestions for the understanding of El Shaddai. So it's interpreted almighty and, and, and that seems to be the largest consensus, but suggestions have included the idea of mountain of God, meaning the high God, as well as the God with breasts. What? Yeah, so just chew on that for the rest of the day. Um, but anyway, there's also, but there's, I should add, there's little evidence to support any of these conclusions. <laughs> but not, not, you know, anyway, there's just all that to say that there's, there's a lot of study and question about what, what that yeah, is I think and what, what that means. what we are confident of is that what they saw God as was, was the provider, mm-hmm. was the, mm-hmm. the high God. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the right. term L was a general Semitic term used in that whole region, mm-hmm. not just by them, but by, by everybody. Mm-hmm. And o- oftentimes that was the word used to talk about the... God. If, 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 they yeah. have, if the uh, system had a pantheon of gods, mm-hmm. the uh, God El would be the, mm-hmm. the high mm-hmm. God often. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah. So the, I, but what I want, we're going to go on, but what I want to just point out here is that God... There's something interesting about this verse, and we'll return to it in a moment. But God had told Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob his name, Yahweh. So what does this passage mean when God says, my name, Yahweh, was not known to them? Right? It's a puzzle, because they did know. If they go back to Genesis, he revealed his name as Yahweh. But now he's saying his name, Yahweh, was actually not revealed to them. What does that, what does that mean? We're going to return to that. Yeah, verse 4. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they were living as resident foreigners. Um, I have also heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, tell the Israelites, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from your enslavement to the Egyptians. I will rescue you from the hard labor they impose. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you to myself for a people, and I will be your God. And then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from your enslavement to the Egyptians. I will bring you to the land I swore to give uh, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Moses told this to the Israelites, and they all cheered and had a worship service. Nope. Um, Moses told this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and hard labor. Yeah, being unable to hear or to listen because of discouragement is real, isn't it? 
Um, we've been, and we've been on both sides of that. We've been the ones who can't receive the good news because we're so discouraged and so disappointed, right? Um, we've also been the people maybe on the other side trying to encourage someone and realizing that nothing that we're saying seems to really stick or, or really grab and go through that hard discouragement yeah. or that, that place that they're in, right? Um, so when Moses came to the elders, um, he identified his call that he was coming from Yahweh, the God of the fathers, and they accepted him. They knew that name. They recognized that name. But here's the thing. When they were delivered from bondage, then they fully knew that name by experience, yeah. right? It wasn't just that he was God of promises. He was the God who fulfilled promises. And that is entirely different. We know that, right? Promises that we're holding on to, things that we're waiting for, okay? That God who gave us that promise, he's a little different than those times when God came, right? right? When, the, when the thing came to happen, when the... the that experience was made real. Right, right. Yeah, it's a different God. Well, we see this worked out in a lot of uh, New Testament theologians uh, talking about the what we refer to as uh, the theology of already but not yet. Mm -hmm. That God has already revealed himself. He's already showed up, but it's, his work's not yet complete. Yeah. And we see that all throughout this. But I think this is what faith growing looks like, right? We learn something about God, but it's only a fragment. It's just kind of a piece mm -hmm. of something. Mm -hmm. And there's always more. And I think that what arrests our development is when we allow ourselves to think this piece or this mm, bit of God that I know mm -hmm. is all there is to know. Yeah. And, and then we calcify it and, mm -hmm. and or build organizations around it mm -hmm. yeah. And, yeah. and build missions around it. And we never revisit um, right. what more can we learn about God. Right. And... Um, I, th I think w if we allow ourselves to be in those places of like, this is what I know of God, but I don't know everything. Right. It, it's an openness to growth. It's an openness to allowing our faith to continue to develop. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, one of the questions that I had as I was going through this, okay, then what, you know, how do we wait, right? Mm -hmm. How do we, how do we hold on? You know, we, I've heard that just, you know, <laughs> hold on to the promise, you know? And then I'm like, I, no. I can't. I already let go, actually. It's already gone, right? I don't know if anyone ever... That's just me? Okay. Yep, you're all alone on I'm this I'm all alone one. on They're that quiet. one. quiet. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, and and um, so one of the verses that many commentators pointed to um, with this text and, and, and um, as it's revealed through Jesus in the New Testament is from a verse from 2 Peter 3, chapter 3, verse 9. It says, The Lord is not slow concerning his promise, as some regard slowness. <laughs> it's like, as some... Regards slowness, that's what I read it. But he's being patient towards you because he doesn't wish for anyone to perish but for all to come to repentance. Just this idea, right? God is, God is not slow the way that we understand slow, but it, it, he is being patient toward us, right? Can we trust God's patience towards humanity? Can we trust God's patience working his word, his will, his truth out in our lives and in, in this world? I would say often I'm too anxious so I get too caught up in it. Yeah. But um, can we trust him in that? Um, and then uh, 1 Corinthians 13, chapter 12. Um, we don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then, see it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly, just as he knows us. Um, yeah. 
I don't know, I found some hope, right? In For those sure. verses. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the, that's the other part of, the, of learning to live in that tension, that knowing that there, there are these amazing things, these amazing experiences that we have with God or the, this bit that we know, mm -hmm. right, that's already showed up, but it's yeah. not yet complete. And that means there's more. There's yeah. so much more that God is going to yeah. reveal. And, and that folds into the idea of the, the biblical pursuit of rightness and justice and the, the transformation of the world, ultimately, is that, and that's, that's changed my thinking in the last decade is to um, look at the world and be like, man, that's, that's what we're longing for. That's what prophets long for, mm -hmm. is for the world to be made right, mm -hmm. for Christ to return and to make the world right. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's the ultimate sense, right? But then also for the church to reflect that goodness that's coming, that rightness is in com that's coming in the here and now. Mm -hmm. and, and that's a, that, right. those have been powerful yes. uh, ideas as imperfectly as yeah. it is right yeah. as imperfectly as it right. is but we live into that yeah so i think um out of this some lessons learned are that number one we can complain and doubt <laughs> right we have the freedom to complain and doubt and god is god um and we talk about the spoiler in the story of exodus but the reality is that god is still working out his liberating plan in spite of the doubt and complaint Right? Mm -hmm, right? Um, that was not going to deter God from accomplishing the work that he was going to do, uh, what he was going to, and, and I think there's, there should be this freedom and Vic alluded to that, but the freedom to show up with God, to show up with one another fully as ourselves and where mm -hmm. we're at. Let's not pretend we're not fooling anybody actually. So let's just, you know, it's hard right now waiting. Right? I'm angry right now about this piece. Like we, we can be honest about that. And I think it's really, really good to go to God with all of those things too. Yeah. yeah. He might have something to say to us about it. Yeah. Um, the second thing is we can ask we can ask help from the Holy Spirit to endure, right? For that gift of patience. Um, the other word for that patience, long suffering. Like that's a I don't like that word. Yeah. Who wants to sign up for long suffering? The church does. Yeah, right? But long suffering is one of the gifts that we get, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit yeah. in our lives is the ability to endure. Um, and so I would say this too. Allow the desire produced by waiting to reach its fullness. Okay? And, and we can be gracious to those who are in the middle of pain as well. Yeah. Right? Um, um, sometimes we want to alleviate our own sense of uncomfortability. I want you to get better now, right? right? But can we linger in those wilderness, in those waiting, mm -hmm. in those times um, together? Um, and, and, and the third thing, we can trust, we can trust God's promises. Um, it's good to consider how God has been revealed through scripture. In what ways does he demonstrate his faithfulness and his goodness in the text? I mean, today's text in and of itself says God brings us out. God rescues us. God redeems us. God takes us as his people. God fulfills his promises. Okay, these are things that sometimes they just, they don't, they may not, because we're in our own cynicism, they just kind of like, okay. Right? We can sit with those. We can meditate on those things. We can ask God to reveal himself as this kind of God in our lives. We can do that. So um, here's what I want. We, we're coming to the end of our gathering, and we, we give time for reflection. There's a basket in the back for giving. There's communion in the back. Kathy has been doing an art piece and a passage of scripture that you can just kind of reflect, take time at the end to reflect with. Um, but here's, here are the questions that I want us to go into our response time with. What are you disappointed about? What in your life seems like it's unfulfilled? 
In what ways has that unfulfilled part, that unfulfilled peace impacted you? How do you live your daily life impacted by that sense of unfulfillment? I want you to think about those things, and then I want us to individually, collectively, maybe you want to find someone to talk to about it, but I want us to ask God together to speak to us about those disappointments, about those areas of unfulfillment, right? What does God have to say to me about those areas in my life? And then what I'd like us to do, too, is to think about how God has been faithful. Maybe you need to just remember, oh, yeah, God met me in Tualatin. Yeah. God met me of all places. Man, (laughs) God met me on the side of a house in St. Charles, Missouri when I felt like everything was hopeless, right? God met me on a sidewalk in Korea before I could even know a thing. God met me when I was playing piano at North Central University, practicing my scales, wondering if it was worth it, right? Remember those times when God met you? And reflect on those as we go to our time together. Let me pray for you. God, you are good. You are faithful. You are steadfast. You never change. You keep all of your promises. You have good intent and will for our lives.